This is the Sideline Distant Podcast coming to you from YouTube and iTunes. Follow me on Twitter as always at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker. Super Bowl 51 is over. New England Patriots, five-time Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick get their fifth ring together. Incredible. I did a podcast on uh, recapping the whole Super Bowl and everything yesterday, but there were some technical difficulties with the audio. I got it good. It's working now. So let's get to it. Here is my reaction. Uh, Patriots, uh, you, down 28-3 to in the third quarter. You know, I... I would have never picked them to come back, even it, looking at it as objectively as I can. It just looked like one of those games where nothing was going right. You know, the Patriots were doing uh, things that were uncharacteristic of the Patriots. Uh, Garrett Blunt turning over the ball. The receivers weren't getting open. Brady, uh, you know, he was getting sacked um, quite frequently early in the game, and he was making a lot of dumb throws. Um, things that just weren't on target, even some of his completed passes were, uh, behind the receiver, uh, Brady just did not look like Brady in the first half, and, uh, you know, I wasn't sitting there going, Jimmy Garoppolo, like everyone else was, uh, but it, it was, it was kind of an eye-opener, uh, for a, for a moment, because it looked like Atlanta was going to run away with it. In fact, the Patriots, in the middle of the third quarter, when they were down 28-3, to I think with, what, eight minutes left or something, they had a 0.6% chance of winning the game. Not a 6% chance, a 0.6% chance, meaning Atlanta had a 99.4% chance of winning the game. And, you know, they they got a field goal, and uh, or they, they ended up scoring and cutting it to 28-9. Then they got a field goal, two-possession game, uh, but that's a 16-point two-possession game. They needed to convert on... Uh, Two p uh, two two point conversions. Stephen Gaskowski missed an extra point earlier in the game. It just seemed impossible at the time. Uh, but the reason why they did it, and uh, you know, football is all about probabilities and the little things. Is you know, the Patriots were still moving the ball in the first half, and uh, you you heard Bill Belichick talk about what he said in the locker room at halftime, and and really the offense didn't need to fix all that much they just needed to stop making dumb mistakes i mean the red uh, red sox the patriots were approaching the red zone uh what was it in the second quarter before LeGarrette Blunt turned it over they were moving the ball pretty well brady brady was completing passes um it was just the little things you know not the most accurate throws receivers weren't getting open and the patriots o line uh was overwhelmed by atlanta's young defensive front that's very fast. The fastest team they've seen all season. Probably the fastest teams the Patriots have faced since the 2002 Super Bowl against the Rams. I mean, it was uh, a complete chess match. And Atlanta was dominating for most of it. Uh, the Robert Alford interception. You know, Brady didn't see him sneaking underneath. And he caught it. Ran it back for a pick six. And nobody, no teams ever win if they throw a pick six. Especially in the Super Bowl. It just doesn't work out. Uh, but somehow the Patriots overcame it. You know, James White, 14 catches, three touchdowns. Tom Brady still won the MVP. I mean, he had, what, 460 yards or something like that. But, uh, you know, everyone wants to talk. Was this a great comeback? Uh, did Atlanta choke? And, you know, if NFL on YouTube, on their YouTube channel, they posted uh, a highlight reel of the whole game. 
um, and it's it's 20 minutes long, so you, it's pretty extensive, and you get to see uh, a lot of the little things, the incomplete throws, the great defensive stops, and uh, if you watch the whole thing, I mean, first of all, Atlanta dominated about 75 to 80% of that ball game, and uh, second of all, they didn't choke as badly as people are saying they did. If you watch those highlights, uh, they just didn't play very good situational football in one possession, and then Tom Brady and that offense did what they did best in the second half. And, you know, the Patriots added another row lineman. They trusted their receivers a little bit more. Brady had a little bit more time. Uh, you know, in the first half, the Patriots' defense, they were, you know, their, their defensive backs did a good job, even on Julio Jones, who made a couple of catches that only Julio Jones is capable of making. And they, they needed to have some near-perfect throws to Matt Ryan uh, to get those catches. Uh, but he had a great game. Um, amazing how he gets two feet down while going out of bounds. And, uh, you know, the Patriots adjusted to the run uh, in the second half very well. I think in the first half they were so focused that uh, their linebackers, their defensive front was so focused on stopping runs right up the middle that they weren't protecting the edge. And because the safeties and the corners were so far back, uh, against the receivers, there was this wide open gap, five to ten yards every time Devontae Freeman or Kev- Tevin Coleman broke f- through. And then, of course, the Patriots had trouble closing off the edge uh, through the first two and a half quarters of this game. And uh, really, they they fixed that. Uh, I think the Patriots rushed an extra lineman, and that that seemed to make a difference. Uh, and uh, they, I, I don't know if they blitzed a ton. Belichick isn't a big blitzer, but they were definitely rushing more um, toward that second half, and it, it worked out. And, you know, the, the the Falcons were still able to move the ball. They just weren't converting on third down like they did. Uh, they didn't even really have to convert on third down much on the first half. I mean, listen to the time of possession. At the end of the game, uh, Patriots, 40 minutes and 31 seconds. Atlanta, 23 minutes and 27 seconds. That includes overtime. It's, it's over 60 minutes, obviously. Um, and then uh, when the score was 28-3 to with 8.31 left in the third quarter, uh, from that point forward, the Patriots ran 49 plays, one and a half quarters. Atlanta, they ran just 16. So that'll tell you, Matt Ryan never got the ball. You can't blame him. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to blame Dan Quinn. Maybe you should put the blame on Kyle Shanahan because I think they ran the ball five times in the fourth quarter or something like that. But um, I think, you know, Atlanta, as we saw against Green Bay, as we saw against Seattle, uh, when they build up a lead, they, they want to put the game away. And they were playing to put the game away. And this is an offense that uh, is very is a rhythmic offense, a lot like the Patriots. They want to keep the tempo going. And, you know, in hindsight, yeah, they shouldn't have had 20 seconds on the play clock and snapping the ball like they were in the fourth quarter at certain points. They should have ran the ball more than five times. But again, the NFL is all about probabilities, and we're hearing a lot of the same criticism from Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan that we saw uh, with Pete Carroll after they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots two years ago. Uh, they should have handed the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Well, in hindsight, yeah, that's the right thing to say, but the Patriots' defense, they were lined up in their goal line defense. In all likelihood, Marshawn Lynch would have been stuffed. That was just a great play by Brandon Browner and Malcolm Butler to make the interception, uh, which is, you know, it wasn't a terrible 
Pete play call by Pete Carroll because it was something the Patriots defense couldn't anticipate. Now, I think they anticipated Atlanta's aggressive attack because judging from earlier this season, they like to keep throwing the ball even if they do build up a big lead. And I think they were ready for that more than the Falcons were expecting. But still, Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan were still trying to catch that defense off guard. So uh, you can criticize the play call uh, in hindsight, but it, you know, I, all the Falcons had to do it was, what, just over five minutes left on the clock. They were within the 30-yard line. I think they were somewhere between the 30 and the 25. They were in field goal range, up by 8, chance to put the game away with a field goal, up by 11. All they had to do was not lose 23 yards, and they did. But, you know, Matt Ryan, he made a small mistake. You know, he didn't get rid of the football when he was being attacked, and... uh and then, of course, the Falcons did get it back into field goal range, but there was a holding penalty, so then they got pushed back again. See, it's the little things that make the difference. And when you think about it, the Patriots, in the first half, they played much better than the score indicated. And, uh, you know, they only had three points, but the offense was moving the football. Defense wasn't playing very well, but they fixed it in the second half. And then the Falcons, you know, just as they were doing the little things better in the first half, pick six... Uh, moving the ball downfield, getting receivers open in the middle, and finding Julio Jones along the sideline. Uh, Patriots figured out a way to mitigate that in the second half as best as they could, and you know they rushed an extra linebacker or lineman, and it worked out pretty well. So you know you got to give credit to Bill Belichick. I don't think the Falcons choked as badly as uh, we think, and I don't think the Patriots came back as tremendously. I mean, obviously a twenty-five point comeback. The the second largest was 10 points in Super Bowl history. Uh, but when you look at it, Patriots were, were still moving the ball. They were just converting on third and fourth down better in the second half than they were. Uh, well, they only went on fourth down once, but uh, better than they did in the first half. And it was the opposite for Atlanta. But they didn't choke as badly as we like to say. Uh, and, you know, New England did what they did best. You know, they... Uh, they they cut it to a two-possession game. It was disappointing. They had to settle for a field goal. So what did they have to do? They had to get a stop, which they did. They stripped the ball. Um, Dante Hightower made a big play, stripping the ball away from Matt Ryan, which was uh, uh, Devontae Freeman, I believe. He just missed the block on that play. Uh, he had to watch Hightower and uh, one of the Patriots linebackers on the other end. And uh, his eyes were just distracted, and Hightower went by him. Again, it's the little things, those little mistakes that cost you. The Patriots were making them in the first half. The Falcons were making them in the second half. And, you know, the Patriots O-line in the first half, they looked young. They looked like they were getting dominated in the second half. There was an extra extra guard out there, extra tackle, and it worked out. You know, and Matt Ryan, you can't blame Matt Ryan. I mean, he should have gotten rid of the football on uh, when there were five minutes left in the fourth quarter, but... He had only 23 attempts all game with a 144.1 passer rating. That's the highest by a losing quarterback in Super Bowl history. And I think like the fifth or fourth highest, or I, I don't know, I read it online somewhere, uh, by just a losing quarterback ever. And so, you know, Matt Ryan did have a great game. He just made he made a couple mental errors. Devontae Freeman made a mental error, not blocking Hightower. And, uh, you know, that's just what happens. That's what happens in the NFL, and the Patriots took advantage of it. Two-possession game, they scored after a turnover, and they converted on this two-point conversion, and then they got a stop. Falcons were in field goal range, they pushed them back. Brady did what he did best, drove the team down the field. 
spread spread the ball around to his receivers. Martellus Bennett had a terrible first half. He had a great second half. Chris Hogan, who wasn't making a lot of plays, he was the storyline, you know, for two weeks. And, uh, you know, Dion Lewis was the storyline three weeks ago for the Patriots. And then this week it was James White. The Patriots keep doing this. It's different players contribute in different ways on different weeks. And it was James White this time around 14 catches, the most by a player in Super Bowl history uh, in one game and with three touchdowns. Tom Brady, Super Bowl MVP, 466 yards, I believe. And uh, he drove the team down the field. They converted on the two-point conversion. And, and, you know, it just it all comes back to the Patriots' culture. And, you know, they understood what they were doing well, even with three points on the board, and they stayed consistent in those areas. And then, you know, they figured out how to make adjustments on defense. It certainly helps that in the Super Bowl, you get a halftime period plus a Lady Gaga performance, and that worked out really well. Uh, So, you know, I I don't, again, I don't think the Falcons choked as badly as everyone is saying, uh, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, it all comes back to the Patriots' culture, you know, just looking at things as objectively as they can, and uh, they came back and did it, and it's shocking, and, you know, as as Bill Belichick said during the parade today, no days off, no days off, and he chanted that, and that's really, you know, the Patriots, I really think as an organization, uh, Tom Brady as a quarterback, Bill Belichick as a coach, they're all perfecting their craft at the right time. And they've surrounded themselves with people that have all buyed into this culture, the scouting department. They know how to find players that have this team first mentality. Uh, and, you know, it all goes to the top. Bill Belichick, he holds everyone accountable, even Tom Brady. It's all about the team, not one individual player. And, uh, you know, Brady leads by example. He's working hard, you know, he's working hard, just as hard now as he did earlier in his career. And uh, he's getting better and better and better. And, you know, who knows? I think he could play another five years. I really do. Um, and uh, it sounds like the Patriots are willing to give him a, co- a contract extension. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. So now that Tom Brady has five Super Bowls, the real question is, can he get number six? Well, you saw at the parade today, they crowd chanted, we want six, we want six, and uh, Brady and Belichick joined in. Um, I think there might have been a little bit of alcohol involved, uh, but, you know, again, as I said in the previous segment, I really believe the Patriots, as an organization, and, and their two goats, Belichick and Brady are perfecting their craft. I really do. I think right now they are at peak performance, and I think it could go on for one, two, three more years perhaps. And, you know, the way Brady takes care of his body, you know, we can't predict the future of injury, uh, especially knee injuries when you're in your 40s. But, you know, Brady's never been a player that's dependent on his athleticism. There's this weird narrative going around that, Brady's arm isn't what it used to be. He can't throw it as far downfield. Brady can never throw the ball downfield, at least compared to most quarterbacks in the league. That you know, the bigger ones, the Staffords and the Aaron Rodgers. He's not. He's never been a hail mary quarterback. Um, 
he he really only throws the ball downfield when he sees a blown coverage. That's really all it is. Uh, so, you know, he's as accurate as, as he's ever been pre-snap. You know, he understands defenses better. He knows he knows there's always a weakness out there. He's always able to find it. He's at this point where they're not, he's not just adjusting plays at the line. He's adjusting routes, and the receivers know this, and the Patriots buy, have all these smart players. And, you know, I think Brady can keep going. He understand, I think he understands nutrition. Um, this anti-inflammatory diet he has is smart and, uh, you know, helps him recover and uh, prevent injury. And even when Brady gets hit, he knows when to go down. He knows when to slide. He's faster than he's ever been for some reason. I mean, now he's started as the slowest human being on the face of the earth, but it's only up. It's only downhill from there. And he's really figured out how to make it work. And, you know, a, a report came out uh, 24 hours ago. I think it was Rappaport, Ian Rappaport, uh, NFL.com. He he said the Patriots want to extend Brady's contract another three to five years. And remind you, he's signed through 2019. So if that is true, the Patriots have to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, they're not going to keep him around as their backup forever. And, you know, there are some free agents this year. I think it's very likely, you know, New England doesn't always bring back uh doesn't always bring back the free agents and they're famous for getting rid of players one year before they begin to hit a decline and uh but I think this year could be a little bit different. Uh so their free agents this season are uh who are oh uh LeGarrette Blunt and he's really only he's he's most valuable in the NFL as a member of the Patriots. Uh, and we, you saw what happened with him in Pittsburgh. It didn't work out very well. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt, uh, I, I think they'll find a way to work it out, bring him back for at least a year or two more. I think he still has a lot left in the tank. Just don't turn the ball over, LeGarrette. Uh, he didn't get many snaps after that in the Super Bowl until uh, some of the final plays of the game uh, in overtime. Uh, but uh, I, I think the Patriots will find a way to work it out with him. Uh, then there's Dante Hightower. Uh, who knows? I think it's possible the Patriots could let him go, but here's why I don't think it will happen. Uh, New England was in a conundrum with uh, Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, and uh, uh, Dante Hightower last offseason. Both were due to be unrestricted free agents, I believe, at the end of this season, and they were smart about it. They got rid of Chandler Jones, and he, he made a big impact down in Arizona. And then, uh, obviously, Jamie Collins. Everyone was shocked. How are the Patriots going to win the Super Bowl if they're going to trade their most athletic defensive player? Well, they did it. They did it. Uh, and, you know, Collins wasn't a big practice guy, too. And uh, he's not. he wasn't as passionate about the game as, as, you know, that really fits into the New England culture. So they got rid of him. And, you know, he started to get lazy defensively. And uh, I think there was a play in Buffalo where he should have gone around the edge and tackled uh, McCoy, and he didn't do it, and that just, Patriots are like, all right, we're getting rid of you. Uh, so then now the Patriots only have Dante Hightower, so, you know, they worked it out. They figured out how to keep just one of them and somehow win the Super Bowl, so now they have Hightower. They'll probably re-sign him and give him some money. Uh, the real question is uh, Martellus Bennett, and uh, here's why it's, because Bennett is a Super Bowl champion, and the the Bears were going to cut him before he was traded to New England, uh, usually Super Bowl champions, after a good year, which Martellus Bennett did have filling in for Gronk, especially when he got hurt, 
as the primary tight end receiver. Uh, and he's a great blocking tight end, too. So is Gronk. And that's why they're both so valuable. And New England's always place high value on the tight end position as long as the players are capable of blocking and catching the ball. Now, I don't think Aaron Hernandez was as great of a blocker as Bennett or Gronk, certainly, who was more of a receiving tight end. But uh, before the whole incident happened with uh, Hernandez, New England signed... Rob Gronkowski and Hernandez both to extensions around the same time. So they really, they have a history of prioritizing the tight end position. Real issue is Marty's going to be asking for a lot of money after winning the Super Bowl, and there's going to be a lot of teams that want him. Are the Patriots willing to pay extra to bring him in? I'm not sure, but as Bennett understands the culture in New England, he loves it in Boston, so we'll see what happens there. Um... That'll be the real question. Does Bennett get brought back? Does Belichick draft a tight end instead? Um, but it's really possible. It sounds like the Chicago Bears are heavily interested, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I don't think the Patriots would deal uh, Jimmy Garoppolo away unless they were able to get the Browns' number one pick. But could you imagine, after winning the Super Bowl, the New England Patriots, uh, Tom Brady suspended for four games. They use that as a way to... Up Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. He plays well for one and a half games. Just unstoppable, especially in the first half of that second game. He was approaching 300 yards, and there were still a few minutes left in the second quarter before he hurt his shoulder. Could you imagine the Patriots turn Tom Brady's suspension and loss of a first-round draft pick into the first overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft? Well, that would be unbelievable. And, and, and they could get more. And as we saw with the Rams, the Rams traded, what, two first-rounders and two second-rounders? It was something ridiculous like that. And uh, the Eagles did something very similar uh, to get Jared Goff and then in Philly to get uh, Carson Wentz. And there's precedent there. If Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are worth that many first-round and second-round draft choices in the future, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's proven himself... You have all this tape from when he was at Eastern Illinois, and then you have his time, his brief moment in the NFL under the Patriots system. He's going to have three years under the greatest coach in NFL history. I think he's worth two first-rounders and two second-rounders. Or if in the Browns, the first overall pick and maybe two second-rounders, or, or another first-rounder. You know, and the New England, they have all the leverage. There's nothing... Bill Belichick just has to let his phone ring, and then, you know, okay, well, Cleveland will offer the first overall pick. Well, we want more than that. They're not going to hang up the phone. I mean, this is... Patriots are in an excellent position, and like I said, I think they'll bring back Hightower. I think they'll bring back LeGarrette Blunt because he's most valuable on the Patriots. And uh, finally, real question is Martellus Bennett, and uh, he's going to ask for a lot of money if they can... If you'll accept a counter offer from New England, it's going to be higher than seven million in all likelihood, which is uh, what he, I believe, he was. The Patriots offered him uh, early in the season, and he turned it down. Uh, that might not be true. Uh, don't quote me on that. But uh, Bennett, that's really going to be the issue. But I think New England can bring back Hightower, and uh, they'll bring back Blunt because he's most valuable on that roster with Belichick. And uh, they're, they're going to need to draft a tight end if they trade Garoppolo, which they will. They will trade Garoppolo um, if it is true that they want to extend Brady's contract three to five years. And uh, 
And that would be Brady playing past the age of 45. And I think it's possible. I really do. He's never been dependent on his athleticism like most quarterbacks. Brady's never had the strongest arm in the world, but he's always been accurate. He's always finding ways to improve. He'll probably become more mobile or he'll he'll work on throwing on the run. Like he'll have a little pet project this offseason and come back even better like he always does. Uh, so that's it for today's podcast. Uh, incredible win by the New England Patriots. Incredible comeback. Uh, what is it? Ten championships in the last decade for New England sports. Or last decade and a half. Something like that. Uh, I think this was the third greatest. I think number one, obviously, coming back down 0-3 to the Yankees for the Boston Red Sox. That's number one. And, and winning the World Series. Breaking the 86-year-old curse. I'm going to give number two the, the Patriots' first Super Bowl just because they were such big underdogs. Nobody nobody knew who this Tom Brady fellow was. And then there was the tuck roll game against Oakland and the way that it led up. And they won on a last-second field goal against the greatest show on turf. I think that was my second favorite, but this is easily third. Greatest comeback of all time in Super Bowl history. New England Patriots, hard to believe they did it. That's it for today's podcast. I'll be b- back tomorrow, audio only. Until then, I bid you adieu.